0: This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name's Jeremy Kubatczak. As always, I'm with my just dear British friend Steve. Steve, let's see. i was
1: say, saying it nicely today. No partners in crime. Just dear British friend. That's fine. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. Yeah, it's um, yes, it's been a while. I think since we last did a Liberator Podcast, isn't it? We've been we've been busy, but last week we had a. Week in Cancun, didn't we? Which was always a highlight of the year for the for the Brits to escape the British winter.
0: Absolutely, we we took thirty eight couples. Was it? Yeah, I think we had thirty eight couples at a couples retreat um, in Cancun, and it was. Just great. Could have stayed there a little longer. In fact, uh, with the coronavirus,
1: we may have been stuck there if we had stayed another week or two. I, I always think that basically, we, you know, those of you familiar and listen, you, you'll know that we talk a lot about circles of influence and kind of what does it mean to be consistent as a leader in each. And for most people, that the hardest place to be an expert on leadership and and self-awareness is usually when you deal with the family circle of influence. So, you know, um, G- Jeremy and I obviously write on this. We speak on it. We've built the whole kind of global business on this. But there are moments when actually when Helen comes on retreat or when Kelly comes on retreat and we actually then have to really work on ourselves in that relationship. And I know for us it was probably probably one of our most profoundly... Um, for good, by the way, just so I'm clear. Um, But I think Helen and I communicated and talked about things that we'd never talked about before. Um, And I think it's that thing about space. I think that was my reflection of going, we have to create time. Because even if you just create an hour or two at the end of the day, it's not quite the same as being able to walk along the beach or actually have extended time with no agenda. So there's my little, uh, you know, for all you high-powered leaders out there who lead incredible things... I always reckon the hardest place to lead is in the home. And if you don't invest time in your marriage with your kids, um, you won't make it. So there we go. So you finally talked about the rash? Yeah, I, di- um, I didn't want to bring that up because it's actually <laughs> healing nicely now thanks to, the, thanks to the new cream and ointment. But yeah, that's great. That's, that's 5 million people now that are aware of my medical problems. So
0: Yeah, uh, yeah there's um, a new product. It's called Giant Ointment. <laughs> The giant, wait a minute, uh, oh. you can get it at giant.tv. Um, no.
1: I, I can't tell you how many pioneer responses went through my brain at that very moment. But, <laughs> but seeing, seeing I've learnt discretion and discipline over the years is I've got one on each You're... knuckle that basically I've just looked at you and say, no, I'm going to rise above it and say and move on. One, one punch discretion, <laughs> one punch discipline. I love it. I, ideally, I, 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 think, love it. I think that was the first phase of learning that it wasn't about punching people with it. It was about exercising it in oh, a okay, okay. way. So I didn't No, it was it was really really fun because what we talked about for all
0: of those who were interested is uh, we talked about teaching people like learning how to fight mm. but learning how to fight for your spouse not against them. So the idea of when you win mm. against your spouse you lose. That's a win lose. So what does it look like to fight for and with your spouse? And it was really, really profound. We went through the voices, we went through you know some of our traditional communication codes, some of the gears. in fact, we went through some of the basic things over and over again because it doesn't you don 't need more content. you need to process and adopt certain things, and all of us did. I know Kelly and I did the same thing, so uh, it was just it was really, really fun. But uh, today, we are looking at a landscape i mean it 's March two thousand <laughs> and twenty, um, and how would you describe? Uh, the world from your lens from england what's the world from that side of the pond what's
1: what are people thinking What do they what's it appear um like um it feels like the calm before the storm i think that everyone is aware i mean i think you know in a in a Media world and social media world and news, everything is about the same thing in coronavirus at the moment. So, in terms of, I've been washing my hands more than I've ever washed them. Um, Everywhere I go with Helen, she fills my hands with sanitizers that smell of strawberries and raspberries, which is unpleasant. But everybody is basically, we're not quite in lockdown yet, but we're watching what's happening in Italy, which has now quarantined an entire country. Um, And they're saying that we are 12 to 15 days behind. Italy. So I think it's. I think people are quite fearful. I think they're quite uh, worried. I think it's having a massive economic hit already. I think people are just basically battening down the hatches. They're working on the premise we're probably going to have to spend two, three, four weeks at home at some point. The kids, the schools, everything's going to be closed. There's going to be no public transport. And we just really are hoping and praying that, you know, people don't get this illness. Because even if you recover from it, it's particularly unpleasant, um, some of those side effects. So, yeah, I I would say that basically I've not known a situation where there's only one thing on the news. And even things like sport is being brought to an end. I don't know what it's like in America, or I think I do. Sport is almost like the universal god that happens at the weekend. And for sport to be cancelled and public gatherings to be cancelled, I've never known anything in our lives. Um, and I don't think anybody mm-hmm. else has. So I don't mm-hmm. think anyone really knows what's going to happen. But they they keep telling us it's going to be awful. And they keep telling us various numbers about you know who's going to get it and how many people are going to die and... It's led to some very interesting conversations with the children, that's for sure. I don't know, what's it like on your side of the pond? Well, I think think it's probably less than that. Um, I think
0: there is a, uh, because we're a little bit behind, Mm. because we've been isolated, but it's coming very quickly, and from both sides, from New York and from Seattle, the West Coast. So... Living in the middle of the country, um, <laughs> the others will probably get there faster, yeah, but it, it is amazing. there is a coronavirus map, a sick map, mm. and it, it's uh, what 's interesting is Africa is the least affected right now, mm. and um, if you think about um, that but uh, so i think I think for us for those listening. Um, especially, um, well, you may have more time for podcasts now. I'm joking, <laughs> but we have more, we have more time for certain certain things. But it it is a season where, as liberators, as people who are fighting for the highest possible good of other people, how do we control what we can control? Um, I wrote an article today on LinkedIn on this subject of how do you control what you can control? And I'll never forget the feeling in 2007 and eight, you know, living in Atlanta Mm. during the global recession, uh, the, the recession hit in, uh, October, 2008, like I can't remember the exact day, but we were having catalyst (laughs) 15,000 people during that black Thursday. I believe it was a Thursday. and when it hit, I remember telling all of our team, "Do not look at your phones." The stock market just crashed. Like, don't even worry about it. Like, get through the day. Let's get through the event because I didn't want people freaking out. I'm so glad that we had made it through. I can't imagine having a fifteen thousand person event now with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Being in the, I mean, literally, or you know, so the the dynamics like our economic shock is going to be there because a lot of people rely so much Mm -hmm. on these events from an income perspective and they're having to move conferences and they're trying to figure out cash flow. So it is significant. So I want to first and foremost say that what I'm about to say doesn't take that lightly uh, because I've lived there when you have a lot on the line, you know, having leader cast with 185,000 people afraid of a terrorist attack that day. You know what I mean? You just don't want anything to happen. Mm -hmm. So for those who are dealing with that in the midst of it, I understand the stresses at a higher level than than just the ordinary um, person, you know, going about their day. So what I'd like to talk about, though, is I'd like to talk about in the midst of the storm. And there is a storm. It's either on you, if you're in Italy or someplace, Mm -hmm. or it's coming and you can see the storm. But how can we, as rational adults, how can we control what we can control? What can we not control? What can we control? And I think that would be an interesting conversation and exercise for all listening Mm -hmm. because um, it's up to you to bring um, a stability, a secure confidence to your landscape and lead effectively Uh, Because a lot of people can either hide, run and hide and act like it's not coming, or they can run away with fear and cause all types of, of
1: issues. So does that sound like a good plan, Steve? It always sounds like a good plan, Jeremy. Yes. <laughs> Particularly if you've written an article on LinkedIn, I'm hoping you've got countless wisdom that you're going to share with us about it. So <laughs> you feel like, I feel like you've done your homework ahead of the podcast, but that's, that's, that's a great place to be. So uh, Well, I was writing recently on the idea of like, so uh,
0: headwinds, okay, if a win, uh, what's the best way to deal with a storm? Now, I happen to live in Oklahoma. There's lots <laughs> of storms. Um, I happen. I've gone and lived through a hurricane Mm. well barely lived through a hurricane Um, and in both cases like the idea of how do you deal with a storm so if you can if you can picture yourself uh, it's to get as narrow as possible get as focused as possible and to lean into the storm so if you take that idea what does it look like to get narrow for you if you're listening? Mm. Um, I don't mean narrow-minded. I mean narrow-focused, where you're truly narrow and focused on doing the things you know you need to get done mm. and then leaning into it. And so the things I wrote about today was simply of uh, getting your team aligned. If you're on a team, working on a team, or if you're leading a team, to getting them aligned where you're not overreacting, but you don't want people unaware so how do you first and foremost get people focused on the storm that's at hand? And that's what we did this week, right? When we mm-hmm. did that yesterday, we kind of talked through with the team of what needs to happen. And I felt like the team responded mm-hmm. really well. Yep. It wasn't a overreaction. We're not trying to, you know, uh, throw, we're on the ship and we need, get the lifeboats. We're all jumping over. <laughs> it. It's not that at all. But it is definitely of like, what do we need to do to get narrowly focused and be nimble Mm. and agile?
1: Mm.
0: Any comments or thoughts on that?
1: I think we always say that leaders define culture. So it's very Mm. unlikely that your family will be calmer than you. (laughs) It's very unlikely that your uh, team will be more aligned or more organized than you are. And I think that's the bit where the thing we, when you said it, the thing we can control is we can control what it is we present to the external world. All of us will deal with fear and insecurity. We have our tendencies that we're aware of. But fundamentally, I think it's even more important because skills break down under pressure and fear is a pressure. And the plans that we've made are looking like they may have to be adapted and flexed to the new world. But it's really easy to be a conduit for fear and actually to, in many ways, magnify it. So when leaders function in fear then actually what you find is that the people who are used to looking to them to set the culture and set the direction, if they're frightened and they're behaving irrationally and they're running around fearful, I would say that uh, that's when it gets multiplied in a negative mm-hmm. way. Um, and that's probably one of the few places where negative, where multiplication is not healthy. So I think that's the bit, mm-hmm. particularly for those of us who are external processes, who think out loud a lot, and often tend to you know um, learn by talking. I would say that one of the things for me is certainly to go, how do I talk in a safe place about my fear? How do I actually have a safe processing environment where we can work at things, which is what you know you and I often do. But actually, I have to be even more intentional about what I communicate, even around the dining table or versus around the team table and around the organization. So I think you know when you said, what can you control?" you can control the way that you engage with the issue as an individual, recognizing that in true 100X style in this situation, you probably want to subtract and divide the fear rather than actually be someone who multiplies it. So um, mm-hmm. that was just my first response mm-hmm. of probably me looking in the mirror and going, what do I need to be aware of? What are the tendencies that I have that actually can create fear? So I'll often talk with Helen... And I realized that sometimes me talking late at night about, well, okay, have we got enough money aside? If we didn't work for three months, what would that look like? Blah, blah, blah. I'm doing it because I'm processing out loud in what feels like a safe place. Then, of course, I wake up in the morning. Helen hasn't slept all night because she's worried <laughs> we haven't money. So that, that's, that's, maybe, that's maybe just a lie. And then I go, no, 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 there's plenty. Don't you worry. It's like, oh, my. So I, that was just a, a live issue for me of poor leadership in the home over the last week or so. So there we go. <laughs> well,
0: and, and I think the idea of culture trumps strategy under pressure, yeah. right? So what, what happens under pressure? So that's what we're talking about. Control what you can control. And, and so it's your point. It's who you talk to what about mm. and when is something you can control. Mm. If you're worried and you're sharing it with everyone, uh, it's probably not going to be the wisest decision <laughs> that you made.
1: Yeah. So, you know, how do you do that really? Well, I think, um, Go ahead. Same as I would say, so discretion and discipline, we often think of it from the extrovert point of view, what to share, when to share, who to share with. Don't forget, those who have an introvert preference will tend to withdraw further. So when you're not sure of what the future holds, your tendency is to say less and withdraw until you have clarity. But that in and of itself is something which will multiply fear among your people because mm-hmm. they need you to be present and communicating, not withdrawing. So there's a real balance between the external processes you share too much and communicate fear and the internal processes you withdraw and communicate fear without saying anything. So
0: oversharing,
1: undersharing. That's right. Right? So
0: those who overshare can do a lot of damage. Those who undershare doesn't breed a lot of confidence. So it's that. It is. It's a good balance. It's great. So I I always picture, I don't know why, but I'm picturing on a ship. And the waves are coming in. And, you know, how do you be present? So control what you can control would, one, don't, not exaggerate, mm-hmm. but also uh, being on deck with your people. And I can tell you in the last downturn, significant downturn, I watched a couple of people retreat mm-hmm. from their people. And there was no confidence. Mm-hmm. So people didn't know what to do. So, you know, getting in with your troops, if you're leading people, being with them, talking through things, being active, letting them see that you're getting rolling up your sleeves, uh, doing those things that need to be done, not out of fear, but out of just confidence, you know, and I think that's a culture play. To your point, leaders define culture. Mm. Um, I think that's really good. I remember uh, when Kelly and I, we were, you know, for those of you who don't know, my wife and I were in a, a hurricane in 2002 in um mexico and we were also hit by a drunk driver and we were i was taken out basically and uh nine broken ribs uh severed intestines um you know everything that you could imagine at uh 10 at night in mexico not a good situation to be in but i can remember what happened as soon as we get to the hospital kelly uh, and our friends ryan and carmel we it was control what you could control. Mm. meaning there was so much out of our control Mm. we couldn't control the future what was gonna happen to me we couldn't control but we could control well let's get him to the the hospital bed ER let's make sure and it was like what are the next steps that you can do Mm. so you do only what you can do Uh, Ryan Carmel Kelly weren't in the corner sucking their thumb (laughs) you know in shock uh, they weren't screaming and running through the hospital. They were just doing the na- next natural thing, mm. and I think that's the the view. If you're uh, a healthy leader, I mean, I'm even I'm using a lot of metaphors, but if you use picture um, a Sherpa on the mountain and a snowstorm's coming, and you're trying to get your people to the next level, well, all you're trying to do is get them to safety or get them to ten more steps, a hundred more steps, whatever it takes. And because you define that culture. And that's really what we're saying today for all of you listening. It's um, This is not a moment for fear and panic. This is the, a moment to control what you can control. Yeah. So define the culture. Define what the next natural steps are and do those things
1: this day. Yeah. I, I think the other thing for me, Jeremy, is you do have to confront the cold, hard reality. So living in denial is another way that actually people deal with fear. It's not there, it's not real, um, it's not here yet, therefore I'll ignore it and hope I get away with it. And I think that ability um, to be able to ask I, I, for me, and this is just me being honest as I think about it, I always ask, what is the worst thing that can possibly happen? What is a worst case scenario? And I'll play the, re- the worst case scenario, and then I'll ask, do I have a plan for dealing with a worst case scenario? So, if I have a survival plan, and it may only be survival, whether that 's the business, the family, whatever it might be, do I have a plan that I believe is robust enough to get us through, even if it 's literally just surviving? If I have that, then what I do is I then begin to move into for me a much um, a much safer place because mm-hmm. i 've confronted the worst and I have have a plan for it. And then it usually, it, it doesn't actually turn out to be as bad as you feared. But for me, I think that's the other thing I say. When fear strikes, fear fear is often, you know, a, a fight or flight is a tendency in nature. And, and sometimes people have a tendency to almost try and deny it's there and run away from it. And what you're saying, I think, is you have to confront it. You have to go into the storm. You have to make yourself narrow. But I would say that wherever you are, whatever industry you're in, if you are leading right now, do you have a worst-case scenario plan? And actually, maybe not sharing that with every member of your, you. Know, three, <laughs> no, you know, true. By the way, guys, we're probably going to have to lay off 20 to 30% just to stay alive here. This is going to cause that's yeah, Just worst case. Probably <laughs> not going to happen, but, but it might. But with your senior leaders, the people who really are in that foxhole with you, you got to go, okay, guys, if this happens, do we have a plan? And then, obviously, what we were doing on on Monday was going, okay, this is what worst-case scenario looks like for us. Do we have a plan? We've been talking about the last few weeks. You and I, and then we actually asked the next question, which is a really interesting, probably more a pioneer connector. Um, We actually said, where's the opportunity in the storm? So Mm -hmm. actually, not only did we have a worst-case scenario plan and own that reality, owned our tenancy, we started to ask, where is the opportunity? Because... In the end, not everyone is going to be planned the way we are. So, where's the opportunity? How do we turn adversity from fear into opportunity? And you know, for some of you, that may not be possible in the current reality. But that's part of the mindset of just us sharing. I think what our behaviours or our usual default tendencies are when we try and engage with mm-hmm. fear, and then we engage with well, what happens here?
0: Any thoughts on that? I know- yeah totally i know for us um you know one of the things that we realize for instance what does that mean for us we realize that we're really good at remote work Mm. and so that's what we've been doing we're decentralized so our business is actually ahead of the game a little bit because we are already used to working geographically dispersed remotely and so we're going to be actually sharing some best practices over the next few podcasts for you uh, for how do you do that well? How do you actually work remotely? And um, how can you, as a team, come out of this stronger? I think that would be the key for us, is to go uh, to fight for your highest possible good. If we can uh, encourage, give you tips, ideas, of how do you come out of of a really, really bad um, storm, stronger and better and more effective, more aligned, uh, deeper levels of relational trust, um, all of those things mm. inside your team and organization. And I think that, that the liberator mindset is really to go, Hey, we're, we are building a culture of empowerment and opportunity, rain or shine. Mm. And we're going to fight for the highest possible good, no matter what we're doing. So how, how, what would that look like for you? So we're just trying to reframe it, not avoiding it, not saying that there isn't a storm. Not mm-hmm. saying that there's not going to be hard times because they are, but in the midst of hard times, what do you do with them? And that's the mindset I think. Um, you know, Steve and I have, have had the privilege of going through a lot of pain and a lot of issues and a lot of uh, failures in the past. Um, so therefore, to share those with you all, uh, to give you hope, to give you encouragement in the midst of uh, craziness. Yeah.
1: I always say that basically the... Um what's coming that brings you fear always looks worse in the front than when it's passed. So mm-hmm. the the fear is greatest when you're looking through the front windshield. Whatever mm-hmm. happens, it's never as bad as you thought it was. And in the end, mm-hmm. the thing that I always said, and, and this is, you know, for some of you who, who may well, you know, there are, there are people who are going to not make it through this economically over here. Unless the government does things, there are businesses, there are small businesses, there are gig economy workers who are going to go through Massive, massive pain in these next few months, and i i don 't see how we avoid it unless there's an a completely coordinated response from the financial industry and they don't you know maybe they don 't collect taxes for a period of time, maybe they give people a holiday who need it on their mortgages, but that 's what we 're going to need I think to get through here 's the thing I would always say, and this was the big learning for me of the nightclub failure um you can lose everything, but if you compromise your integrity, you never get that one back. So in the fear of failure, I was tempted as a Pioneer Connector. If I'd been given a way out, I think I'd have taken it, even if it was grey. Probably even on the border of black versus white, because I hated the thought of having to fail at something. But I think in the end I look back and the thing that I would say for me is to go, you can never. It's very hard to get back your integrity. You can always start another business. You can always find another way to generate some living. It's amazing how how resilient kids are. <laughs> as long as as long as they're loved by you, they don't often tend to see the value in all the material things we work so mm-hmm. hard to provide for them. But the one thing that you can't get back usually is when when you compromise your integrity or you do something mm-hmm. which causes people to question. Are you really someone I can trust in the future? So that would be my kind of little final thought to people today is to go as the thing gets worse and the fear grows, a lot of people look for escape and there are usually things you could do. <laughs> but be careful the one that actually looks mm-hmm. as if it compromises integrity because you will get found out. And in the end, that's the one I think for me would have been the hardest for me mm-hmm. to look back on and go, I gave up something that actually for me is a really important part of who I am. why people follow and we can control that yes you control
0: you can can. your integrity yeah you can (sighs) control your response yes you can you can control your mindset in the midst of a storm you can control what you communicate to those that you're leading or with Uh, you can control your irrational uh, thoughts it's still going to be a tendency but you can control your actions on that and that's what we're saying control what you can control what we don't know is we don't know if this storm is a flash storm that lasts uh two weeks uh four weeks does it last six months does it last two years does it trigger other storms yeah. uh, you know economic uh, downturns turns and so forth the reality is we know by history you know in context there's been lots of storms mm. Through history of the world, and uh, different things have come in we're probably, uh, we're probably more adept to handling storms than ever because of technology and medical breakthroughs and so forth. Uh, but there still are the storms yeah. and uh, in this case, uh, we're just choosing to go, hey, it is what it is. So for all of you listening, um, if you join us with the idea of controlling what we can control and so we then become secure, confident leaders who uh, people see and we step into the storm uh, with a narrow focus and resolve and that perseverance uh, leads to deeper character and that character leads to hope. And that's what we're after is basically going, hey, guys, let's call you all up. We're not calling you out. We're calling you all up to be liberators in this season, to step into and lead in ways, whether your family or your team or even yourself, um, in ways that you may not have normally done. So that's our goal. That's our encouragement for today. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you on remote work and those types of things. But until next time, just... Uh, Keep the narrow focus and lean in as much as you can. Thanks, Jez. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much. Cheers. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.